You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to Real Vision. It's Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020, just after 2 p.m. in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington, joined shortly by Tony Greer. But first, with the day's stories, Jack Farley. Thanks, Ash. Equities drooped this morning before having a midday bounce, with the Nasdaq leading the way, the S&P roughly flat, and the Dow Jones firmly in the red. Commodities had a rough day today. Copper was down 1.7% alongside oil and gold was down almost a full point. In other news, cryptocurrency Ripple Labs announced it will face a lawsuit from the SEC over whether the cryptocurrency it issued, Ripple or XRP, is a, quote, security that should have been registered with the agency. The currency Ripple is the third largest crypto asset by market cap. Now, I'm by no means an expert in the space, but I'm told that Ripple has prided itself on being one of the more highly compliant uh, cryptocurrencies in the wild west of crypto, you know, something that's more legally blessed. So this action by the SEC is, to say the least, a big deal, particularly because Ethereum and Bitcoin have been ruled by the SEC to not be securities. XRP dropped 10% today, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually not one of the biggest drawdowns this year. XRP is, like many cryptocurrencies, a highly volatile asset. In other news, I've had some time today to comb through the stimulus bill passed last night. It's over uh, 5,000 pages long. Uh, let me just you know, read you a few things. Some of the numbers may be familiar to you already. Uh, $325 billion in small business assistance, uh, $166 billion in direct checks, $120 in unemployment, uh, $25 for rental assistance. There's also $15 billion of assistance for airlines. Uh, and today we saw United Airlines announcing its plans on hiring some of its workers back. However, they did uh, add the caveat that they, those, uh, uh, those hires would be temporary unless there was a significant pickup in demand. But what I have my eye on is these emergency lending programs. It's underreported that of the $900 billion in, of relief in this bill, uh, $420 billion of that was reappropriated from the Treasury for emergency lending programs that weren't used uh, from the CARE Act. Moreover, uh, four of the emergency lending programs were extended until March 31st, most notably uh, the PPP lending facility. Uh, however, what's absent is the term asset-backed lending facility, uh, the municipal program, but most notably the corporate credit facility. This was key in giving a psychological aid to the credit investor because they thought that the Fed would have their back. Uh, th- you know, this can explain the very odd year that we've had in the credit markets. You know, I'm just, you know look at the chart of uh, default risk rising um, by the, the Bloomberg default risk estimate, and then the stock price rising. Uh, at the exact same time, that is not normal. And you know, I just I just picked um, this this cruise liner for example, but this is very typical of the of the year that we've had uh, in credit. So going forward, you know, what will we have in 2021 when uh, five of those programs are no longer there? We'll see. Uh, but that's that's we'll have to wait for 2021 for that one. Back to you, Ash. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Thanks, Jack. Welcome back, Tony. Thanks, Ash. Good to be back, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Lots to talk about. Let's dive right in. $900 billion in COVID relief, $1.4 trillion omnibus spending bill, uh, a lot of money. What's it mean to you, Tony? And what's it mean to markets? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's a great way to frame it, Ash, because, you know, you hear the number and you start you saying, OK, that'll be enough to move the needle on helping some of the local businesses that I'm staring at as I drive around town that are struggling. And some of the people that I know that are trying to get their restaurant reopened and, you know, you you, you are seized with disappointment upon the first inspection of where the money is going. Right. We're sending eight hundred million dollars, seven hundred million dollars to Sudan and $250 million to Howard University with 6,500 6, students. And, you know, I could go down the list. I mean, we could, you know, talk about how much money the Kennedy Center is getting ad infinitum. And it's the same story. Not enough is going to the American family here. So, you know, that's where your kind of heart breaks and reading down into the details. And when you look at the markets, the, there has been, I would say, a little bit of a sell the fact event with the stimulus actually hitting the tape. And I mean that in, in a very sort of muted way. We had the dollar bounce um, just a little bit earlier in this week. Right. And so the dollar index bouncing just from 90 to 91, you know, maybe put the risk appetite on its heels for a little bit in terms of just continuing to buy commodities and inflation hedges. But. The tape seems to be taking it in stride, Ash. You know, I think um, the big story coming into this was that we had that volatility yesterday from the UK lockdown story and their new mutation of the coronavirus, which is barely believable. And I think the markets are telling you that it's barely believable in that 100 point round trip. Right. The S&P went thirty seven hundred to thirty six hundred and essentially back as of this morning, um, shrugging off that next leg of lockdown. And, you know, I guess we're going to sort out the stimulus bill and what it's going to mean for the markets. You know, the actual the reality of it is after a Fed meeting last week and heading into the holiday markets, it's, it's probably going to mean very little. Right. I see very little having changed on the tape since it was announced. And I don't even see that much of what I thought might have been a real sell the fact event in the equity market. And so in the absence of that and in the presence of a very small but visible bounce in the dollar counter trend, you know, it feels like the nonlinear path of the bull market sort of as it's ever the same as it ever was, if I may. You know, so that, that's how it feels to me right now, Ash. That's my initial inclination of post stimulus bill hitting the tape. Yeah. You know, the country obviously more politicized than most of us have ever seen it. Uh, a lot of these events are a Rorschach test for people politically. But what I hear you saying fundamentally is underneath uh, all of the sort of storm and stress, not a whole lot changes. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. You know, we heard from the Federal Reserve last week, and it sounds like, you know, the fact that the market was able to get through last week's Fed meeting without a sell the fact event, that was also really, really important for me. Right. I mean, it was more of the same of we're going to have Jerome Powell and, and Janet Yellen right there at the Fed and the Treasury to provide any stimulus necessary. The market tends to buy into that story 
And I think the rebound after yesterday's sell-off is is part and parcel of that, right? It's the it's the market saying, yeah, we're really markets trying to convince you that it's going to look past the lockdowns. It's going to look past whatever Boris Johnson is doing in the UK. It's going to look past, you know, this, um, you know, check your vaccine pass at the border thing and work toward a reopening. And I think that that's that that's widely supported by where commodities have been since we came out with the vaccine and President Joe Biden. You know, Ash, I'm still keying off of that date that back on Miracle Monday, that rotation has still been very much in effect. Yeah. Let's take a look at the COVID hospitalization charts. Two looks at the same data series. Uh, first up, the month of December, what you see here uh, is slowly edging higher on the rate of hospitalization, or I should say the absolute case count on hospitalization. But when you zoom the camera back and look at the full data series, what you see uh, are the first two peaks significantly lower uh, than that top peak where we are sitting right now around 115,000. Sobering numbers, uh, obviously vaccines on the way, but at the same time, still very high hospitalization rate, higher than during the first two peaks of this crisis. How does that play in to sentiment and how does it play into your outlook of the market? I feel like the reality sentiment is, is one of concern, right? If this disease, if this pandemic hasn't left us in, you know, coming up on a year now, it's definitely a concern that numbers are rising. Um, you know, I, I've kind of checked out on following it case for case a while ago now, and I can't do it anymore. I'm just trying to, you know, be smart, wear a mask, be good to my neighbor kind of thing. Um, in terms of the markets, uh, you know, we're seeing, it, it's, it just seems to be that this move is in motion, if I may, Ash. It feels like the S&P is very much on, on its way to a higher price. Um, I, I think a lot of that has to do with our original premise that the Fed is inflating assets. Um, it probably has to do a little bit of getting the help of Janet Yellen at some point during this um, whole project, or at least having her standing at the ready. Um, and as long as things aren't changing with that rotation, since then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what the market's telling me. And the market is still telling me that we're trying to look past the lockdown. It, it, it's been pretty cool to see, though, that the exact rotation memory comes back when optics become talking about lockdowns like over the weekend sunday we had boris johnson talking about locking down the uk in a couple of different forms and the market went right back to that tech in the lead energy fall behind you know that kind of rotation yeah. so you know while, while there are some other stories shaking out like in the banking sector that we have to talk about yeah, the market right now is still in that balance between trying to look past coronavirus and being held back by these authoritarian governors that have got no proof of the new mutation. They've got no proof that the lockdowns that they've been imposing are tremendously effective. They just keep going back to them as the answer. And, you know, the, the economic divide is getting wider and wider because of that therefore probably increasing the need for the stimulus response again you know sometime down the road as we've as we already discussed it doesn't look like a lot of this money is making it to main street yeah as we often say tony uh there are lots of people in this economy who aren't able to make their living on zoom the way you and i can and there are people out there who are hurting i have friends in the restaurant business it is a very very difficult time. And also, I think the viability of cities, the livability of cities, probably a better way of saying it. Uh, the risk of retail, Main Street, High Street, uh, depending upon whether you're a British or American speaker, it is an ugly, 
ugly season coming, and it may be yet to shake out. Other side of the same coin, unprecedented, uncharted waters here going into the holiday season with hospitalization, infection at the rates that they're at right now. We just don't know where that's going to shake out. Something we can follow, something we can watch, but ultimately almost impossible to make accurate predictions about the future. So too with the mutation of the virus, uh, the danger level of that, the mortality rate uh, still unknown and uh, the increase in transmissibility still technically unknown. We're just going to have to keep watching that and see, and we're going to keep a close eye on it here. You said something else, Tony, that I really wanted to touch on. Uh, you mentioned the connection between the dollar and U.S. equity markets. You mentioned it a couple of times in passing, obviously something that's very significant. For people who are newer to this space, explain exactly why that relationship matters, what it signifies, and why you watch it so closely. Sure, Ash. Uh, a great place to start. You know, if we're going to talk about how the Federal Reserve is going to embark on their plan of inflating assets, we've got to consider that the sort of modus operandi that they're going to use to get that done is going to be a weaker dollar. Um, they're going to try to, you know, as they've mentioned, get to 2% headline inflation. They're going to continue using all the tools in their arsenal until they get there. And I think that all the talk of all the stimulus and this free money going out to, you know, all different countries all over the place that are supposed to be attached to the U.S. recovery effort, all of that speaks to the waning purchase power of the dollar and an incredibly inflationary scenario here in the U.S. Speaking of which, that's the scenario that the Federal Reserve is still trying to attain, you know, as you can see with the stock market at new highs, you know, carving new highs regularly with the price of oil rebounding significantly with Bitcoin going through the roof. You know, they're still talking about employing all the tools in their arsenal necessary to get that 2% headline inflation. So if you've been following the headline CPI and PPI, you know that we're nowhere close so that the Fed is going to have to have to stay on some type of program where they continue, as we learned at the last FOMC meeting, they're going to continue to buy assets, you know, $120 billion a month, it looks like, on the same pace that it's been. And that is weakening the dollar, creating a more inflationary scenario. It's perking up inflation expectations in the bond market, which is where we can look to and say that this inflationary story isn't just theory anymore. The bond market is pricing it in. So as long as we've got a weakening dollar, Ash, that is based on what the Federal Reserve is doing, and we've got the bond market giving the same signals all along that it's been giving during the recovery, steeper yield curve, break-evens trading higher, that's we're finally creating the market where the market is anticipating that kind of inflation, right? A weaker dollar directly speaks to commodities rallying, right? They're priced in the U.S. dollar. If the U.S. dollar rallies, the other side of the equation is going to get bigger. And so that sparks, you know, the huge rally that we've seen in LME copper and iron ore and oil and gas. So I think that those markets, the commodity markets, are signaling that there is commodity inflation going on due to the weakness in the dollar. And now I think we're kind of waiting on it to get through to the marquee inflation data like CPI and PPI. And then maybe once we've attained 2% for some stretch of time, then the Federal Reserve will have to consider you know, raising rates or changing policy some other way. So that's the, that's the you know, drill down, if I may. 
And it seems to still be working with the stock market as well. You know, the weaker dollar has got stocks bid and it's along the same scenario of strengthening commodities and strengthening the sectors behind all those commodities. Such important points, Tony, tying the macro back to the micro, such an important way of understanding what's happening right now. To come back to the Fed on Friday, the Fed clearing banks to start buying back their own shares, the shares rallied, no shock there. Give us some insight into how you see that particular trade playing out. It's a huge development if you work at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, right? I mean, we saw three sigma rallies in both of those names on that headline yesterday. Um, you know, that is taking something and, you know, putting an extreme power back in the hands of the financials and being able to buy their own stock back. You know, they're going to be buying back a much healthier stock, having shored up their balance sheets. Um, it probably leads market participants to want to be a little bit longer financials. It becomes one of those baton pass sectors where we've had either natural resources leading the market or technology leading the market. And now all of a sudden you've got banks joining the rally where they had been sort of sitting there like a bump on a log all year. So, you know, if, if they decide that, that Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are going to trade at even higher valuations because they're going to probably push it to a higher valuation by buying their stock back, then I'm going to say that that trade is going to get some attention now. You know, it, within the recovery, I would think that there is ample opportunity for the banks to dig in and start becoming more profitable, especially if we can get this, if we can get yields to rise and the curve to widen out. So hopefully that speaks to a continuation of the financial story for the bullishness pace in the market. Yeah, obviously the potential there to increase the net interest margins that drive the profits on lending. Exactly, and we had the money center banks participate yesterday, Bank of America, JP Morgan, Cap One Financial, all broke out of a sleepy, sleepy range. And after they have been quiet and in a range for so long, I'm gonna doubt that that breakout lasts just a day. I, I got a feeling that's something that just started and is likely to be with us for some time now. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah. Tony, I believe this is going to be your last appearance of 2020. Uh, I'm curious, as you look forward and think about uh, the next few weeks uh, as uh, we uh, do some holiday things, tell us a little bit about what your broader outlook is, what you're going to be paying attention to, and how it potentially impacts your thesis. Sure, Ash. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to the equity market. As you know, Tesla being one of them, you know, the recent Tesla inclusion to the S&P was adding the, the largest market cap stock by value into the S&P in history. Yeah. You know, uh, also, I think that's going to have its ramifications in how Tesla traded into that, you know, traded very bizarrely into the inclusion where it was selling off the day of and then rallied into the close like they didn't buy enough stock uh, or if there was something else going on. And so there seemed to be residual buyers after the fact, right? If, the, if that buying seems to dry up and, you know, the te Tesla path backs off, it'll probably take a little bit of a luster off the tech rally. Um, and I'm looking really, you know, in terms of the next couple of weeks, I'm trying to meeting into the end of the year and how to get positioned, at, you know, to be opened on January 4th of 2021. 
Uh, I've, I've gone to a much bigger proportion of cash. I am trying to, you know, really only let my high conviction trades roll through the turn of the year. Um, I always raise a little bit of cash at the end of every year to make sure that I've got some available in case something, you know, batshit crazy happens to the tape. Um, and I feel like I'm prepared for that as well. And we have to take a lesson from yesterday in, in the 100 point S&P down and back that a lesson that, you know, the, the, these lockdowns, like I thought, are not going to be as widely accepted as these, you know, authoritarian governors think they might be. And the pushback has finally begun. So I think that that's why the market is partially trying to look past all these lockdowns. So what we want to do is have some dry powder over the next two weeks, Ash, and then look to, you know, place it back into the markets, hopefully at, at a place that maybe is a little bit cheaper than the S&P is now. I would love to see a little bit of a pullback and, and you know, have some of the heat taken off of this rally. But the way it just keeps finding a new sector to to, you know, just take off and explode, it's hard to figure out when, you know, there will be a lull in the buying activity and the tape will pull back. It doesn't feel like that's the case right now, but I'm prepared for any any of pullback that there might be. Yeah. Tony, how do you think about the positioning uh, on the cash side uh, on a percentage basis? How do you think about the asset allocation uh, and how do you think about moving in that direction that so that you have some dry powder and what time horizons do you think about those transitions along? Well, my trades, Ash, are usually in the in the, um, you know, the one to three week or the one to three month time frame. So the ones that I have a longer time frame that haven't been panning out, you know, the way that I thought they would develop, I've been cutting those down a little bit. And the ones with a shorter time frame that haven't panned out the way I thought, they, I've been cutting those back a lot, you know, and um, those are some of the names that I've been positioned in, in energy and stuff like that. And some of my natural resources trades. Um, and I'm going to look to get back into those at, you know, at some point next year. I think that there will be a dip coming that gets us into a more supportive level for the S&P and off the all time highs. Um, you know, if you are following Sentiment Trader on Fintwit, that's Jason Geffert, and he does some really studious work regarding sentiment. And we're in one of those cases right now where mutual funds have got low cash balances because it's all in the market. Retail traders have got a huge amount of money invested in call options in the market. And so it seems like we're just waiting for a little bit of a catalyst to cause a pullback from these extremes that we've been seeing. I'm just waiting to see what that is. And I'm standing here ready to employ capital if, if that pullback comes. I have a feeling that's how a lot of portfolio managers around the country and around the world are going to be positioned, like, give me a dip so I can buy it. Yeah, very well said. Tony, as we've come to the end here, any final thoughts? You know, Ash, all, all we can hope is, uh, you know, for for the year going forward to look like it does now, you know, it, for this to really pan out, you know, there's so many trades on the tape right now. And I find myself not having enough capital to exploit them all. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, Bitcoin has gone berserk and looks like it's going to be very much in play for the next year. Oil and gas have woken up and, and you know, they're, they're certainly up 30 and 35 percent since that miracle Monday. You know, natural resources are going to be a big play next year. You look around and now all of a sudden banks have woke up from a nine month slumber and joined the rally in large magnitude moves. I mean, the way the market feels today, it feels like there are so many good plays and so many good places to focus. I can only pray that that is the case come 2021 when we're several weeks in 
and maybe we've sworn in Joe Biden and the market and the country takes on a little bit of a different complexion. I'm hoping that the market is going to be as as volatile and as opportunity rich as it is now. But it's so opportunity rich right now. I'm, I, I'm, I can barely be optimistic about that. If that's fair, Ash. Like everything is taking place right now, like fireworks into the end of the year. And I'd be crazy to think that it can last another 12 months after that. But I don't think the Fed is going to change their posture of inflating assets. So that's what keeps me optimistic, if that's fair. Yeah. Well, let's hope 2021 is a triumph of hope over experience. Amen. That'd be yeah. great. Tony, thanks for joining us and have a happy and safe holiday. Yeah, man. It's great to be here. And we'll tackle it again next year. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.